I V M. All right, please note that the language and ideas presented on the show might not be suitable for everyone. If you're under 18, make sure your mom isn't around. If you're over 80, why is your mom around? You're listening to Cyrus says. As a young man he walked out of education in 2006. He was 3 years old at the time. Rajiv Rathod, project director Bhatti Project. We'll learn all about how he lights up lives. Why follow your auntie's advice when you can follow Cyrus says on Facebook and Twitter to stay updated about the latest shows. Okay, here on Cyrus says I've just come back from the Gulf at the uh, Weekend there, the Gulf weekend, and uh, being on a flight, I've reached this point where someone has to come up with a solution for this. Whose elbow gets that handle area? When you put your elbow there, the other person also puts the elbow there, and the elbows touch. It's not romantic. It's never been romantic. What do you do? Because you know you don't want to back off. Because if you lose that space, then you you know your whole torso is uncomfortable for a three-hour flight. Uh, sometimes even more if you're going further than that. So I'm saying we have to. The government of India must come together here and discuss this in Parliament in both Rajya Sabha and Lok Sabha. Figure it out. When you go on these flights or go to cinemas or go to anywhere where you can share a handle, whose elbow should have that handle? Who the hell's elbow should have that handle? It, this should be clear. It's called Cyrus says. And that's what Cyrus says. All right, here on Cyrus says project director Bhatti Project Rajiv Rathod joins me. A uh, very interesting man. I suppose environmentalist would be your title. uh no more of an explorer filmmaker one minute stop cancelled idiot cyrus wrong information as usual <laughs> so not environmentalist more a filmmaker is it uh explorer filmmaker that's what i would call myself okay so let me just set this up from our little research you walked out of education in 2006 yeah you're doing your be in biotech in bangalore right bangalore rather and then you realize that you we all this is your words we are all trained to be employees for a bigger development narrative which was destroying the environment culture and people's lives right can you just slightly explain that Uh no I just I know engineers make no sense but this is <laughs> this is difficult to understand. No, I suddenly uh just came to a point where uh one major thing I realized that uh, everything we were fighting against uh were actually the uh all we educated people and the best the cream of the crowd who were building these dams or were making these bombs and everything. So that was one and the second thing I realized that uh, everything I was doing though I wanted to get somewhere but uh there was already a larger deal in place like for example Please, uh, sorry here yeah. uh if i'm doing biotechnology in engineering in bangalore when i'm going to be selected i'm not going to get into a biotech firm i'm going to get into an infosys or a sap because the karnataka government has already had a deal that you have to hire 6000 engineers per year that's how it works but that is a political issue in a sense no but we are part of that system right so when i am in bangalore you were getting disillusioned in, before you got the job <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> your anil kapoor's character in that film where he, where he goes berserk uh okay i'm joking about it but obviously it affected you uh, how i mean you look like a guy with a sort of normal background what give you the courage to walk out of your be because normally guys who do engineering are very clear that they have to get the engineering degree No I was just thinking of uh what I wanted to do and I realized that uh, my, all my work should be something which leads more into meaningful. an impact yeah. and more meaningful and yeah. it shouldn't be driven by money or by 
Uh, so you weren't distracted by girls like I was when I was in college. I mean, obviously I was, but <laughs> not enough. After one hour, you said, hmm, "Let's change the environment. <laughs> More girls." <laughs> no, Rajiv, this is uh, the most interesting part. And uh, when we talk to people like you, and uh, the interesting thing is, you'll go off center. You know, you go to what they call the left field. You go away from what the normal, conventional, traditional approach to society has right. by doing these different things. It takes a lot of courage to break out of a engineering background and say, "Okay, I don't want to do this anymore." Without a proper plan, so a what did the parents think? B was somebody trying to influence you as well outside? Was somebody say Rajesh is what you should do? Was there somebody else? And C did you have a plan? Uh, a my parents uh, have just started supporting me like two years ago, after uh, after a long journey, because their idea of where I had to reach was something different. Uh, so so that takes a lot of courage. So you basically went against the parents. You must have said I don't want to do this anymore. And they must have gone berserk about it. Yeah, and so that was one issue. Then. Uh, second one was be what you mentioned. No, do, was it like, sometimes you have like a guide or a person who's uh, an idol of yours? You know, someone you follow. Was there some, some somebody motivating you, or pushing you? No, I was just busy reading myself about a lot of aspects uh, which I was interested in anthropology and sociology, and those were the factors which were driving me about looking at the world in an alternate way, way and yeah. where, and to leave certain things basically, and, and then finally to make that decision. Uh, to make that decision it was just overnight i mean Literally. i just got up one morning and i realized that i didn't want to do this i went to college and i came back home and i were you in a hostel no so you didn't suffer that <laughs> no i didn't have to suffer that oh. and i just came back home and i said like, i don't want to do this i don't need a degree to live my life and i just want to be traveling and were you a good student but all your life no you want no never as in academics was not your thing no but yet you were in engineering so you could have been a bad student <laughs> no i uh, i got through my engineering uh, through a certain level of influence in uh, unbelievable <laughs> once when again I the say, indian education system must be questioned i just been sir academics ka interest nahi tha and uske baad he made some calls to chacha chacha organized everything and boom something like that yeah <laughs> and then he gave up his seat it's wasted because it's not like somebody came there and sat in your seat yeah i mean i wasn't forced to do engineering i always wanted to do biotechnology but then uh, i realized that i had that dream in 6th standard and it had been like about 8 years and had not even touched the subject and they yet making me uh, they yet making me believe that I'm going to be a genetic engineer someday but then i just got disillusioned okay fair enough let me not just go interrogating you like i'm raw uh-huh. and that you've done some major crime and all you did was move away from conventional education and saying i want to do much more with my life right so what did you do next uh next uh, i was just figuring out in the next few years of how i can basically uh, see basically live live a different journey yeah and your, your uh, journey that you mentioned is of learning uh, driven by ideas of sustainability and interdependence yeah uh, what happened is uh, there was a point uh, uh, these are very big words i warn you yeah yeah it is it'll take 15 it minutes for each word yeah so we're I not google them go, right now and just there's no end to the meaning we're not going to ex- uh, go into the definitions of it because i'm no one to be defining them but uh, uh, what happened was uh, after i quit college uh, i gave 2 years into Uh, doing some kind of a small scale uh, industry and uh, helping my cousin brother uh, bring up a computer brand and it did not sit with me and i was doing that just to get money to It's like a marketing job pushing a um, computer sales uh sort of hmm. sort of yeah hmm. Hmm. it was a marketing job hmm. and uh, and that also i got disillusioned and i just told well, my sustainability in that because you have to survive so i can understand yeah, yeah. but that's where i realized that uh, when i was doing the small scale industry actually it was a uh, computer embroidery on sarees 
And wow. uh, what would be more fascinating? <laughs> I, I can see you going on a date and the girl saying, so what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's computer embroidery on saris. <laughs> Different so, colors, yeah. So that's when I realized that this, uh, when everything was going well and we were supposedly getting good amount of money per month, I realized mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, what do you say, the laborers who were over there, they came in and uh, they were cooking on an LPG gas and now they're cooking on kerosene because our uh, prices per hour or uh, are increasing mm-hmm. and uh, so it's an input output kind of system you, you don't yeah. you don't consider the people inside you don't consider anything inside it's just about the money coming in you're too humane to be a businessman in india brother <laughs> to be a successful businessman you have to not look at people i mean but no <laughs> i want but you to decided not to and that's when i uh, i quit everything uh, and uh, this venture was started with another friend so at that point i'd met mervin no, uh, which venture are we talking about now this is your first venture yeah this whole thing of me uh, the the minute i quit hmm. uh, was decided with another friend that we both are going to quit and just travel okay and at that point we happened to reach arunachal pradesh and we decided like you know we really need to get off this entire system for some time and just be you know locked away and uh, we happened to uh, trek to the remotest village in india which is the chinese border yeah it was a burmese border burmese border it was Oops. a 7 days walk ha huh. and uh, that's where when i reached i was like pretty convinced of my entire journey of leaving uh, education and just doing what did you see there work. what changed nothing you? we just uh, i mean it was just deep reflections which were happening because you're 7 days into the jungle away from everything no phone no electricity nothing no air conditioning nothing yaar i would have gone to china uh, <laughs> they got everything and cheaper yeah yeah and uh, and that's what about wifi <laughs> no wifi no electricity how no do you wifi. talk to each other <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> so that's where uh, some so of you had this uh, moment there where you sort of introspected and felt you've got a higher calling or a different calling yes is that it uh, yeah it's not a higher calling or different calling it's got difficult you very modest man but uh, for me it's a higher calling which you left everything uh, you left a material world almost for a non material one yeah yeah and uh, don't worry we'll praise you in post lots uh, oh. and <laughs> Uh, and that's where uh, that's where some of these things came into place where i started uh, really looking at uh, the this journey is all in the sustainability in this village next to the burmese border yeah you sort of have all these thoughts about what you can do to improve society not improve society as such it was more about uh, sustainability for example i had gone there uh, thinking about uh, if if you want to be sustainable you need to have food air water land and energy uh, but when i reached that village cinema uh <laughs> perhaps not <laughs> but when i reached the village i realized that uh, these guys had all of that uh, but for one thing they they were dependent on the outside world that Which was salt who is? Oh, is it and uh, that was a very important moment for me because uh, you know i just realized the importance of salt so where do they get the salt from uh they have to walk 7 days to the nearest town and buy it from the town oh. and come back others they completely sustainable they don't need any what if that town has no salt do they walk seven more days to the next town yeah they have what to, if that town has no salt they have 21 to. days uh no then they die you can't oh, live God. that <laughs> what kind of story i'm going to be funny here you killing people no, but this is the reality yeah i mean uh, uh there's a lot of due to salt do a lot of migrations die? have taken place but do people actually die because they don't get salt if you don't eat salt for a prolonged period you do die i didn't know this i mean so in the morning when i'm asking for my salt and pepper at the breakfast table it's a very important moment right so next time when anyone speaks about sustainability in these angles you should be asking so when my wife salt. only offers the pepper and puts the salt away i now figure okay it's all making oh my 
Mr. Rathodi, you've opened my eyes. Okay, let's leave the jokes aside for a second. So you're there in Arunachal Pradesh. You're trying to figure out how to, you know, sustain things. Or let me one of my my own. In a sense, it's recycling. It's like everybody's everybody's interdependent on each other. So community functions because of that. Yeah. A, B, C, and D are inter. Interconnected And interdependent Yeah These are big words for us We'll get used to it Yeah yeah, So go on And uh, so Who's Mervyn? Mervyn's a close friend And now Is the guy in Star Sports? There's a Mervyn (laughs) No I don't know Mervyn's (laughs) No Mervyn's a This is the third Mervyn Let's be clear Yes this is the third Mervyn There you go Uh, Mervyn's an old friend And now a co-founder In our organization also So you two were together in this uh, Yeah yeah We've always been traveling together And he's got the same sort of Mental approach to life as you uh, yes, you can say more or less. Our okay. basic core principles are the same, but he's a completely different personality. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. It would not be fun if you were exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, so you ha- you you share your thoughts here. Yeah, we do share our thoughts here. No, I'm talking about this moment in Arunachal Pradesh when you were together. You started discussing all this. Yeah, yeah. We were on a continuous discussion about this, about sustainability, about how these guys are living, what's happening, how is it different from the village life, how is it different from the urban life, because this was a tribal landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, how the entire village was functioning as one. Organism as one unit There was no idea of self. You think the people were happy? Yeah, they were very happy I mean, that's what we felt I mean, uh, now I uh, There was a language barrier mm-hmm. uh, Because very few people knew Hindi there mm-hmm. So we were lost in translation But with whatever we could see And whatever we could feel But you can get a vibe from people Yeah, that's exactly sort of is in a happy space They're friendly, they smile a lot huh? That's exactly what happened and like that's In what my building, felt. nobody smiles <laughs> But we are far from the Burmese border I must say yeah. <laughs> No, but yeah, uh, that's exactly what happened. The, what we felt and what we heard, they were like far more like comfortable and far more, uh, you know, happier. Like one thing was, I remember this woman telling me, she's like, if my parents talk too much today, uh, I'm just going to go off with my uh, with my friend and we'll go stay uh, two days into the jungle by the river and not come back for three months. What? And I was like, who gets to think this way in any city in India? But they just go and stay three months near a river? Yeah, and they just build a house and they fish and they just because, I mean, they want to live on their own. And I was like, can we make, can any of us make these kind of decisions? Are swimming like- costumes optional <laughs> in that kind of environment? I mean, how does it work? <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't know. I I mean, they wouldn't take me, but yeah. So I, I understand what you're saying. Imagine. I understand what you're saying that they, they can just do things which you would never think of in a city. This sort of freedom of thought, freedom of expression in a way. Which we talk largely of wanting, but we never ever do. We and we never get there, yeah, but yeah. these guys never talk about it and they are already there. Already there, yeah. But uh, let's keep in mind, you've now moved away from the family business. You've given up an engineering degree. You're with the third Mervyn that we know. And uh, you're having this discussion, but what's coming out of it then? What comes out of it? Uh, uh, what comes out of it is uh, Bhatti Project. Yeah. Uh, and what happens there is uh, we, we were invited for Christmas and we happened to visit the village again. And at that point, uh, we'd... I mean, since we we're going to celebrate Christmas for them, we were wondering what to do. So we took some solar lanterns in. Okay. And uh, we distributed the solar lanterns and we stayed there for 15 more days, completely cut off. Uh, and we got back. Uh, and when we got back, after a few weeks, a lot of these tiny villages, village hamlets started approaching Mervyn. I wasn't around. I'd come back to Bangalore. Uh, and they started asking him for light. They were like, okay, can you also get us solar lamps? Can you also get so us So they didn't solar- have any light? Yeah. They didn't have any artificial light till then? No. What do you say? They're not connected by grid. They're not connected by road. So it's like some village from the 1800s. Yeah, I mean, even more older. These are like tiny tribal hamlets. But the more people, than 300 people aren't 300 years old. Just, just <laughs> in case you go to visit. They are 100 years old though. So they celebrate, they celebrate Christmas though? 
Yeah, they converted a few decades ago. Right. So the lantern was fascinating for them, and so then word got around. Yeah, word got around, and uh, and our plan, and there was no plan really. Where do you get the money? Where do you get the? Where does Mervin get the money from? What's the? How do you? It's expensive. No, so at that point, the first time when we went there, we put in our money because we had just quit jobs. We had a little bit personal, of savings. Personal money. Yeah, at that point. But when we got out, uh, we were wondering because we were like, you know, this is the life we like. Uh, but these guys want light. <laughs> okay, so uh, so Mervin and me had. They want a bit of your life, and you want a bit of their life. That's that's how it looked like, and uh, we were wondering. It's interdependence. Your words are making sense. In a way, in a way, yeah. and uh, we were wondering what to do because uh, we were wondering whether we should get them light or are we. Should we be doing this? And then uh, Mervin said something very interesting. He's like, you know, actually, we are in no position to make a decision for them. Uh, the only thing we should be doing is when they're asking you for something, you just make the best and the most sustainable choice. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So we put a word out on Facebook that you know people are asking. Uh, there are small, tiny tribal villages asking for lanterns. 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 It so sorry to interrupt. How much would they cost uh, vaguely? At that point, uh, we had roughly just said uh, that it takes five thousand rupees to light up one house uh, in in a in five a grand for one lantern. Not for one lantern. It was an entire solar setup of okay, three. Yeah. The first time was lanterns, yeah. but uh, when these guys started asking us for light, we thought we'll give them a complete okay. home lighting system. So this home lighting system is five grand. Yeah, it's not bad. At that point, this was yeah. in 2011. Yeah, uh, and we just put a. Are you uh, blaming the center? Congress government was cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so at that point, uh, we uh, we put a um, uh, status update on Facebook that it takes five thousand rupees to light up each tribal home. How many mm-hmm. people are interested? Uh, and uh, suddenly, in three days, we had like more than. 30 35 people uh, donating wow. money uh, and we have no idea we are just randomly put a figure with basic calculations and making calls yeah. and it takes 5000 rupees and suddenly i'm like okay now we need to buy a system because you didn't even know whether it was correct the figure yeah because i just called up okay because we were like just testing waters and right. suddenly we have like so one and a half lakhs in our account and we don't know like but what was the actual price uh It, we somehow got it. No, the actual price came up to seven or eight thousand because uh, we got thirty-five people gave us five-five grand each. Right. Uh, so in the end, we lit up only about eighteen, nineteen homes. Yeah. So the rest of the money went in the operations and traveling and logistics. Right. Uh, but that that was a turning point in a way because we were like, okay, like people are really interested and they want to do something like that. And you connected the dots in your own way. Yeah, you managed yeah. to get the staff and you get got to give it to the village as well. Right. And that's what we say that you know there is. Uh, our ventures called further and beyond. Yeah. We were like, there are people who need help, and there are people who are willing to help, mm-hmm. and there are us in between. Okay, so hang in there, hold on that thought, Raji, because further and beyond is what our show is about. We take a break now, right. and then we'll come back from beyond to further. Right. So <laughs> reversing it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, back here with Rajiv Rathod, project director of the Bhakti Project, and also Jainism. dot com. We'll come to that in a minute. But first, we've reached further and beyond foundation, which is your non-profit organization, which is why we've got you here. So uh, now, quickly, let's take the story forward. You uh, you got this uh, with Facebook and internet and all that. You started connecting dots and getting people together. Right, and uh, uh, and we suddenly realized that we needed to have a Facebook page. We needed to have a reporting oh, you system. Even, you didn't have a Facebook page yet. No, even the name of the project wasn't decided. So who decided further and beyond? Uh, further and beyond, me and Mervin used to just keep talking about like let's go further to that mountain, and then we'll be like let's go further on, oh. and then it just became a pun that further and beyond. So at one point when someone had put us in a position that what would you name your venture, we were like okay further and beyond. 
So is it, it was just an organic There was no real plan about all of this You should think about this Because I believe in India There are lots of people with big egos And lots of money If you want for example I have a friend called Chandrakant Very rich If you put his name in your project And call it Chandrakant He'll pay 50,000 crores Just for example So instead of further beyond If you're willing to change I can make a phone call right now No I mean if I was driven by money Then I would have done a lot Different things like <laughs> God Chandrakant bad news You're nobody <laughs> You don't get to be an NGO on your own Sorry So um, uh, let's get back to the village So you lit up how many in the end? Uh, about 19 houses 19 houses How many would there be in, uh, in the village? Uh, depending on how remote it is it's, uh, it, This village was 3 days away into the jungle So it was about a hamlet of 27 houses Oh so not bad Almost 70% of the village Yeah It's not bad at all Yeah And how, how was that received by the villagers? They suddenly think of you as Were they happy or they felt you were patronizing them? Or how, how were they react? No, uh, so there was a uh, So at that point uh, I had not gone gone for that first lighting up But when Mervyn went uh, That's what our video is about The first house we uh, we installed mm-hmm. uh, We had to teach the lady there Of how to use a switch What are you saying? Yeah, and The basic uh, switch of you pressing on and off Yeah, and she used to press it on And she used to look, look up to the light And she's like, huh, this is on. And then she had to like register that to put this off, we need to like you know do this. And she had already always seen light, but far away and in to- through torch, but not like her house being lit. And uh, we visited her three years later, and uh, she was telling us like, oh my son got me this, and she used to keep the light on through the day. She's like you know, uh, I've never seen light in eighty years in my house, but now I. Have. But why the day? It's just like the idea of the artificial light. No, for her, she always wanted it, but she never had it. But now that she has, she's just happy that it's there and she's just... My wife's done a similar thing, I remember, with the switches, which is uh, she would put the light off if she saw me in the room. <laughs> Only because she couldn't bear to see my face. But it's a different story altogether from another village, from another place. Uh, so you felt a sense of success, I suppose. You know, tell me what you feel. Why would you do this first? Let's try and understand. I mean, you're helping people you've never met, far away in a remote place. You suddenly put light there, but that must have made a difference. You could have seen people being grateful, happy, yes. or just, you know, curious. Yeah, they were happy. I mean, everybody's happy when you give them a gift. Uh, but uh, w- what what I realized was uh, certain things which we, uh, when I went there and after two or three years and I spoke to them uh, and I asked them what what happened, you know, you got light, what happened? They're like, now we can move around in a house at night. And uh, and for me... Well, what does that mean? You mean in, at night time they wouldn't move? Because you have to be by the fire. Oh, achha, because you can't see a damn thing. Yeah, because it's really dark. There's, Were they like wild animals and all that? I mean, there are wild animals around. That's not the main concern, but it's it's pitch dark. I mean, at times... What if you, you need to pee? What do you do? Pee in the fire? Uh, I mean, yeah, not pee, pee in the fire. No, it's a huge you, issue. You I pee four times out, in the night. You have to walk out with the Don't torch. joke about this. I need to pee. So usually there's a section in the house where you go and uh, there's a very okay. tribal so way you, of... So you made their life a lot easier, suddenly. Yeah. Modernized it overnight almost. So you were like yeah. a couple of stars in the village by now? <laughs> No, honestly, tell me. I'm, I'm sure they give you a lot of like gratitude. Or they did, they did, they did. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, for us, we are waiting for like another six, seven years to really come out and say that this light did help them. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, until they don't come and tell us what really happened, there's no point in measuring that impact. So that's why I'm like a little hesitant to give you that answer. Fair enough. Okay, uh, it's a long-term project. Let's not look at statistics yeah. right now. Yeah. What else is going on? Uh, so apart from this, uh, I've been on this journey where uh, I've been uh, exploring Jainism mm-hmm. uh, And uh, it was very interesting to me because we were talking of sustainability Right uh, And uh, and we were talking about um, being from the center left mm. uh, So there was a point in my life where I realized uh, that there were four or five things uh, which we all looked at 
uh, or believed in. Uh, one was sensitivity towards food. Whether you're vegetarian or non-vegetarian, it doesn't matter. Today you're, you're questioning where your food is coming from and what's happening with it. Uh, second thing was your sensitivity towards environment. Uh, and third thing was the multiplicity of truths. No, no more singularity, no more duality. Each one has its right, his own right to believe and uh, look so, at something. So it's also like a democratic thought. Yeah, uh, and the fourth being uh, uh, access to knowledge for all. Google. And, uh, Google. Wrong, or Wiki, wrong or, answer. Yes, wrong answer. I would say, I would say Google too. You know, Wikipedia. Google huh? Baba. Huh. And, uh, and, uh, and I suddenly realized that 2,500 years ago, Jainism was actually formalized on these ideas. So suddenly I was like, then what is Jainism today and who is a Jain? Because I being a Jain, I know they look at me as a person who does not eat onions and potatoes. Garlic. And, and garlic. Yeah. So uh, that's how I got interested in Jainism. And uh, then I realized that I, I want to explore this more. And we will, uh, I thought that while I'm exploring this, let's make a film on it. Because uh, there was no documentary made on Jainism for, in the last 30 years. Really? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what uh, is going on parallel. Actually, I can't remember a movie on Mahavir also. There's not really that much. Yeah, you can't make a movie on Mahaviri. <laughs> you yeah. can't have a moving. Uh, you would allow the image. Yeah. 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 So, but there's not that much then, other than you know what's written in the scriptures, etc. About uh, the Tirthankaras and all. In modern day India, you don't have much uh, of information. Jameson? Information, I'm saying. Uh, yeah, there is, but it's all uh, it's all unseen. Like nobody has put a, uh, given a focus to Jainism. I would say. So, what was your movie? Uh, it's it's in production now. We are we are exploring of what is Jainism and how is it relevant today. Uh, we are coming from a premise that all religions are in crisis with modernity, mm -hmm. and how is we are taking the uh, lens of Jainism and we are uh, exploring of how Jainism is navigating in this modernity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what the film's about. I would tell you, I'm a huge fan of the basic Jain thought, huh? Mahavir's thoughts, which is basic uh, not kill uh, the ahimsa thoughts and the thoughts of of non-violence and not killing. And it's just it's unbelievably unreal with right. humanity being the way it is for us to believe that. But I think in an evolved humanity, yeah. that would be what we would all be. Yeah, you I, know? and you can you can if you're just remotely intelligent, you'll understand that is the truth. Right. You know, yeah. of of because you have to be you know pacifist at the end of the day. Right. Anything else is just wrong. There, there is this Jain motto. Uh, which means Parasparo Pagraho, uh, no, which uh, the word is Parasparo Pagraho Jivanam. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting because it means all life is bound by mutual support and interdependence. So your whole thought is also based on a, almost religious philosophy. Uh, that's what I realized later. Oh, it's just coincidence. Yeah. What are you saying? So it was, I mean, probably it was ingrained when I was really young and then I rediscovered Jainism. But uh, as of now, I feel that it was, it was a major coincidence. And that's why I jumped into Jainism. <laughs> while I was exploring the tribal uh, ends of India, like so. All right, very interesting, Rajiv Rathod. So, what's up next now? You've uh, got a film which you have to put together. You've got all these uh, light villages to light up. What yeah. else? Uh, we are, we are trying to uh, now uh, make the uh, make this whole uh, most sustainable of uh, lighting of the villages, where we are trying to see of where we can negate the little idea of asking people for money. Uh, so what we've done in Bangalore is we've been asking people to donate their dead electronic waste to us. As dead electronic waste well, doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Wow! And uh, we, we send relatives as well. <laughs> well some oldies don't do anything. <laughs> and uh, and uh, what we are try trying to do is we are taking the electronic waste and we are rec uh, recovering the material and upcycling it. And whatever money but we get, don't other people do this? They do it. 
uh, but we are driving this money towards lighting up homes. It's like waste to light. It's like yeah. you know, literally taking. But how waste. do you? I mean, uh, with your background and you know everything, I can't understand. So what do you do for money? Because everything you're doing is, as you said, interdependent. You're getting one source to go to the other source. You're putting right. things together. You're networking in a way. Right. What do you do personally? Uh, uh, as I've been fueled uh, a lot in the last four or five years uh, by the film project because the research and all took a lot of time. That's uh, Jainism.com, mm-hmm. the film. And uh, that's how I have been uh, living my life while we've been busy raising funds for our foundation. Mm-hmm. So that's how. <laughs> what, what does Mervin do for funds on his own? Uh, Mervin, Mervin. So Mervin's been on the road for the last uh, eight years. He lives uh, in a car, and he's been in the northeast. Uh, he interacts with a lot of events and uh, consults a, a lot of uh, in a lot of places out there. He's uh, trading in handicraft here and there. But are you guys looking out. for funding? Is that one of the things? Yes, we are looking for funding. Now we are a non-profit organization. So let's, let's give a shout for that. Shout out for that, which is Further and Beyond Foundation. Right. Looking right. for funding um, uh, to help them with their dream of, you know, giving a light to everybody, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Uh, what kind of money? So I'll just put it down. 100 crores and more <laughs> uh, And uh, GST is very low on this All paperwork will be done by no him No GST, 50% tax exempt, exemption Exemption is there so yeah. You have tax, uh, 50% tax exemption on the total So go ahead uh, We're joking about it Further and beyond foundation They're doing very serious work If you have some money And you want to donate And you want to push And you want to fund And you want to be a sponsor And you know Do some good uh, Help the karma Of just not just you But our entire society Join Rajiv Rathod And his friend Mervin On uh, the project which is going to light up not just, I suppose, uh, India, but everywhere sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if we have enough money, let's be ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Nice talking to you, uh, Rajiv. Uh, wonderful stuff. Looking forward to the film as well. But we Thank have to you. go on to the AMAs now, right. which is when people who are very angry rant and rave about how bad the show is. <laughs> Gotta do that stuff. Cheers. <laughs> Rajiv Rathod, project director, Bhatti Project on Cyrus Says. Thank you. If you have any questions for Cyrus, write to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or you can send an email to whatcyrussays at gmail.com. Okay, AMAs here on Cyrus Says. Once again, it's Sharanya. Hello. I've been told I've been saying Sharanya from time to time. What's the big deal? It's a different letter. Have you, have you heard when French people say Raju? They say Raju. <laughs> Don't try and correct them. We can never say Ju. It's always Ju for some reason. Mm. Yeah. That's what it is. All right. Uh, okay, so first question is from uh, Lavanya. Uh, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Lavanya, Lavanya. <laughs> Just move on. Right, let's move on. Let's yeah. call it Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of Channel V shutting down? Any old anecdotes from your MTV days? Talk about the rivalry and VJs. And get Lola Kuti on your podcast, by the way. <laughs> uh, that we can try. Yeah. But the irony of the whole thing is that, uh, you know, when I was on MTV, I'm a very competitive person, I think. So I used to really enjoy taking the pants of Channel V and saying silly comments. I used to do it for the fellow VJs. Yeah. I was the only VJ to make fun of Nikhil and, you know, Saukar and all. And they wouldn't, you know, surprise me. Why are you saying that? They never say anything bad about you. And I, you know, but I just thought it was fun. And uh, Channel V, the, the amazing part is you do all this and then uh-huh. one day you realize the same guys who are working in MTV and now on Channel V mm. and Channel V is in MTV and it's just like one family. It was. So after sometimes yeah. a waste of time because you can scream and shout against them and five minutes later you join them. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the India-Pakistan yeah. story? Yeah, yeah, not really. People uh-huh. are getting quite nostalgic about the shutting down now. Yeah. But you know, for a long time, I don't know what Channel V was doing. Yeah, their programming <laughs> in the last couple of years it was really drama yeah, some teenage yeah. drama. They had a really exciting show called Gumra. That I watch sometimes very late in the night. Well, what is it about? It's the evils of internet. 
So like oh, teenagers so who get ah, uh, you so know bullied. Yeah, it's so fascinating. They're and it's the internet stories. to close down channel. Be ironically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah pretty right. much actually. All music videos are on YouTube. So what is the reason? Why did they close down? Because nobody watches it. I think yeah, they're stars turning it into a, a sports channel. They're adding another sports channel I to the catalog. Yeah. A Canada sports channel. Fair enough. Yeah. The bigger market. What can you do? Yeah, yeah no, I, I, nobody watches music, right? And I mean, they don't have channel music. Channel is right? not music anymore. Yeah. It's teen programming. I felt they made a big mistake in the '90s when they didn't build up their VJs. Like MTV pushed the VJs. Push Correct. the distribution. Push. I think we just push warm up pushy. Yeah. For some reason, they were a little more laid back, and they didn't really create brands around them. You mm-hmm. know, like we had Malaika and Chinappa, and all Correct. these became famous right. people. That's true. And they didn't really. So they had at that time Gaurav Kapoor and Purab Kohli. They didn't push them. Correct. They on their own, these boys have managed to do right. things right. and all that. Correct. Uh, Gaurav Kapoor has influenced his father. You know, knows people in the BCCI, and so he got a job. Uh, Purab, uh, in fact, uh, I think he's the chief minister's son okay. in one of the states <laughs> in the south. So, you know, I mean, they did what they have to, but it's not because it's channel. Yeah. Yeah. So I always felt that they didn't compete at the right yeah. level hmm. for some reason, and that's got to do with their management. Hmm. So management, we're sorry that you're gone. We will have two minutes of silence. <laughs> Actually, because Channel V's music sucks, we'll have three minutes of silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might as well abuse them now that they're dead. Yeah, <laughs> what Channel V? There is only one MTV. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, the next one we have is from Arj Rao. Cyrus, India has banned smoking in all public places, even in those places where there is no smoking area. How would you solve this crisis? I don't think there is See, a crisis. See, it's not really a crisis. If we've discussed this before, it's the egg chicken thing. If you're going to sell cigarettes, you have to let them smoke somewhere. How can you sell cigarettes and say, okay, now you have to go to Berlin and where you will be allowed to light near the wall? No. You can't sell cigarettes at Malba Hill at the Panwala hmm. and then say you can't smoke anywhere here. Yeah, I don't understand. No, but so, public places in the sense that these are public gathering places. No, where public places and open public places is different from uh, shut public yeah, places. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, like, so, the banning is not and like, you can smoke on the road. No, it's very unclear, man. It's very unclear. It's, you cannot smoke around building entrances. You're not allowed to smoke oh. and like, oh. That's very I think everything should, is a building no, entrance. I think you should have like fourth floor, everyone smokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to give them something. I mean, come on. This country is all about minorities, Mandal Commission, helping all kinds of people, pushing up the backward class. Push them up. What the smoking the classes need a lobby. We will fight Listen, for you, smokers. I smoke. You're dying because of us. Because we didn't stop you. So you might as well die next to us. No, to fourth floor. But, but seriously, I, I, I do smoke more than I should. But I mean, like, still having said that, I mean, uh, I believe. You want third floor? You don't like walking? What no, I don't think that, that that you should be allowed to smoke wherever the hell you want to. I mean, like, there have I think they should give you designated area. areas. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, just uh, kill the ball. Have the guts to kill that business completely. Oh God, the designated smoking areas are actually the worst. Like, they make no sense, right? The amount because if you go to that area, it's still open. You don't even need to light a <laughs> cigarette. You, guys, you can just smoke enough. Have you guys on a long flight, say in Istanbul or Dubai, one of the yeah. melting pot huh. area airports, have you gone to a pal of mine was smoking, Kunal, huh. and in those days. So we went, I said, come, give me company. I opened the door. Yeah. I promise you, you know, I nearly died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a non-smoker. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was a small room with 18 people smoking as fast as they can. Yeah. And with 20 more coming in after yeah. that, it was unbelievable. Yeah. You don't want to be it reminded me also, of Chambur, no? I got to tell you. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I take that back. I take that back. That is Sharanya's home area. Sharanya, is it true? I get it. Oopsie. Okay. Uh, The last question. You had once said A.R. Rahman was your worst interview. Please elaborate more on that. Oh, it's not worst interview. He's a very nice guy. But A.R. Rahman uh, is very polite and soft-spoken. But he can be quite funny as well. Mm. Uh, the only thing is, uh, my story about him is in the 1997 VMAs, Video Music Awards. We were crossing the road. There was I was there for MTV. He was there as the Artist of the Year. And um, so we were crossing the road and uh, together. And he 
I dropped my bag and he picked it up and carried it. He wasn't as famous as he is now, but A.R. Rahman actually yeah. carried yeah. my yeah. bag. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I didn't even stop him. He's just, he's just a really sweet guy. Where was this? If you ever interact with him, there's no, he's just a nice guy. Mm. He's one of those guys who give you that nice guy vibe. So t- or, or in an interview, I'm a little hyper. Mm. Okay, and I'm a little, as you know, a, a, I would say aggressive but energetic. So what happens is with people who are soft-spoken, it's very funny for the guy who's listening. You know, the, the sound guy. Because Ajay Devgan, A.R. Rahman, you know, Akshay Khanna, they're all quiet, mm. soft-spoken. So I'll be like, welcome to the show. It's E.R. Rahman, the king, the maestro of Mozart of uh, Tamil Nadu, India, whatever, all these. Yeah. And then he goes, hi, thank you. <laughs> and then where do you go from there? So it's like 100 miles, 2 miles, we have to find some middle path. But uh, lovely guy, I got, uh, you know, let, let me be honest. Uh, he's one of the nicest people I've met. I can't, I can't get a vibe from him, which is mm. not nice. He's nice to everyone. Mm. He's like that, but he's not loud. Except, of course, when he's in concert. <laughs> then, Ma, Tujay, Salam. <laughs> yeah. So, it's your worst interview because you can't, you don't have a middle spot for volume. So, see, now I know these guys, so mm. I, I changed my tag. But mm. the first time, and especially when you start an interview, you actually start on a very high uh, scale. Correct. And you're trying to, you know, give them a little bow and all that. And unfortunately, they just, they're just not that kind of, you know, personality. Yeah. Ajit, they've got the same thing. Lovely guy, very funny, mm. but very soft. Mm. So I had to go all the way down, the greatest uh, action star of all time. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm reduced to. Hi. What's up? What's up? Tell us about Pool or Kante. Huh? Yeah. It's a good film. <laughs> it goes like that. It's been fun. The kind of, I must say, and I, please, I don't want any sexist backlash. I've never had a soft-spoken woman interview. They, you know, I, I, if I go, you know, if it's Urmila, I'm like, Urmila, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you! Wait, it's rare for them Boom. to get a mic at all. Oh, Yaranya, one for the road. Huh? Nicely, nicely punched. Nicely punched. They don't, they don't need to write. The male lobby has to fight back. Oops. All right. All right, that's all yeah, we got. that's the last question. Okay, catch us on any of the podcasting apps, please. We beg you, we need you. If you have any questions, write to us online and uh, you can mail us as well. We will answer. We have a doctor in the house called me. And that's what Cyrus says.